I'm AC Brown, and you're listening to Is My Aura On Straight, a podcast designed to help you start living from your core instead of your conditioning. Each week, we'll have deep conversations that will help you create a powerful transformation that shifts your perspective in life, love, and business with topics ranging from spiritual self-development, human design, astrology, metaphysics, and everything in between. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? I'm your host, AC Brown. I'm your psychic channel and spiritual guide, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? In this episode, which is part of our communication series, we talk to Cinnamon Love, who is a generator 1-3 and a 26-year veteran sex worker, community organizer, and black feminist pornographer. Love is a fierce advocate for Black Lives Matter, trans rights, sex workers' rights, and full decriminalization of sex work and cannabis. Cinnamon identifies as a kinky, bisexual, polyamorous grown-up and lifestyle switch. And prior to COVID-19, she worked as a full-service sex worker and professional dominatrix. She is a vibe curator, yogi, hip-hop, and househead, orgasmic meditation practitioner, cannabis enthusiast, recovering serial monogamous, a naturally gray and happily single in Brooklyn. And I absolutely love her to death. And I wanted to have a conversation with her about her life and about how she communicates through the things that she does. Um, In this series, we're talking about different forms of communication, not only with yourself, with others, with partners, with your career, all of those things. So let's just jump right into this episode. So is your aura on straight? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I think it's not actually. <laughs> so. Okay. So tell me more. Why? I feel like I often am um, out of alignment. Like I've, I've been doing the same, I've been in my, in my field for 26 years and I have, you know, I'm always juggling a lot of plates. And so part of that is because I have a family that I am taking care of. I have an adult child who has, who's neurodivergent and suffers from depression and anxiety. I'm helping to care for my grandson who's had, who has multiple disabilities and I still have to pay the bills. (laughs) So, and so sometimes like, you know, there are things that need to, that I need to do that don't necessarily feel good to me. And, you know, I'm glad that we're having this conversation about sex, love, and pleasure, because for me, everything I do has to feel good to me. If it doesn't feel good to me, it's not going to get done. Or I have to wait to do it until it does feel good to me. Like, you know, I have always told people as far as my career is concerned, 
I'm not that good of an actress. Um, you know, I have been, you know, working in the adult film industry and working as a sex worker for 26 years. And, you know, I've only really done things that either that I either was personally into or things that I could see myself into. And, you know, as a brand and, you know, when I advise people about their brands, I always tell people that authentic branding is so much more important than just doing the things that pay the bills because you can only fake it for so long. And I'm one of those people that, you know, if I have to fake it, it's not going to happen. Right. So when I think about like my, you know, whether my life is in alignment or if I'm in a light in alignment with my, my path and my purpose, sometimes I feel like I have to do the things that need to be done in order to pay the bills. And so I feel like that could throw me out of alignment. Like I'm trying to, to in discovering human design, it's giving me an opportunity to step back and think more about why I'm trying to do, you know, what, where is some of this stuff coming from? Like, why do I not have the kind of confidence or determine, you know, the, the confidence in knowing that everything that I'm doing is going to provide the life that I want, as opposed to, um, just as opposed to feeling like I have to do something else or add more things to my plate, um, which usually throws me out of alignment. Right. And so speaking yeah. of human design, you being a generator one, three, and a single mm -hmm. definition, sacral inner authority, and you having a completely open emotional solar plex, ajna, and throat center, how were you able to communicate your desires in the work that you do and also set boundaries, especially in the beginning? Wow. Um, you know, in the beginning, my, the, the work itself really lent to learning how to set boundaries around my, um, around my desires. Um, you know, I, I am a survivor of, of sexual trauma. And so being in situations where I was allowed to be able to say what I want, what I'm willing to do, um, you know, who I want to work with, what kind of money that I want, you know, for the labor that I'm doing, uh, allowed me the type of freedom that I don't think a lot of people get in their personal lives. Um, being able to say to someone, no, that doesn't, you know, no, that's not something that I'm into. No, that doesn't feel good. I would rather do it this way, you know, is, is very powerful. And, um, you know, for, for me, it, it was a safe space that allowed me to be able to explore my sexuality. Um, and, and also, and also collect a paycheck at the same time. So, okay. But, but, but I, but really like I learned to set boundaries in the work, um, particularly as I started to explore more in, in, in the realm of like BDSM and fetishes and kink, because that work is really centered on safe, sane and consensual, um, sexual, ex sexual exchanges. And, you know, taking those lessons into the rest of my, my my sex life, my love life, my my relationships allowed me to be able to um, to stand firmly in who I am and my desires, as opposed to simply playing, you know, placating to someone else's. And was it always like that for you, or was there some type of turning point where you had to stand up for yourself? 
Um, I think that it's it's con it's a constant learning experience for me because um, I find myself, you know, or I found myself a few years ago coming out of a relationship where I definitely was experiencing codependency. Um, you know, I had to learn how to. Um, not center my needs and desires on, you know, the needs of my family, the needs of my parents, the needs of my partners, um, because that's how I grew up. I mean, I grew up in a very religious household where it was God, man, woman, child, you know, God, man, child, woman, right? And especially as a black woman growing up in that, in an environment where everyone else is, comes before you, um, I, I had to learn how to step, how to step back into my own power and be able to put myself first before anyone else. Um, but that came not from the work, but more I had to come back into that realization after my breakup. Mm, and did that breakup, was that, or did that start, or was it the catalyst for maybe a spiritual awakening or becoming more self-aware? Do you think that it, helped? A lot. <laughs> it was. It, it was. It was so much. Actually, the first. Um, I think I had been single maybe three weeks, and, and a friend invited me to um, a women's circle at her for her birthday. That just happened to fall on a new moon, and I think it was like a new moon in Pisces, and it was just a. And she was a Pisces, and a bunch of us were just sitting and commuting together and meditated, and it was like all these things, and it's like, and I, I started to. And I actually came back into um, discovering astrology at that time because there was a woman there who I was like ear hustling this conversation she was having about astrology. And I was like, wait, 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 let me, you know, you read natal charts. I need a reading. And 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 was able to cut, you know, to be reintroduced to astrology in that way. I mean, I've always been a little a little witchy and very spiritual from the time I was really young. Like I picked up runes when I was 16. I was, I used to, you know, I picked up my first tarot deck, the Rider weight deck when I, you know, from a Spencer's gift store in, in the mall, <laughs> you know, but over, you know, over time, it's like, you know, I moved away from a lot of the things that I already knew and, you know, having that breakup allowed me to be reintroduced to myself through women in my life who stepped up into a place that they hadn't existed prior. Like people who I knew peripherally from New York club scenes or like, you know, whatever, like just people that were acquaintances, like really came into my life in other ways. Um, and even, and it, it, I found myself where it's like every, every encounter right after my breakup was an invitation into an, an, a, a spiritual awakening. Um, you know, I, I went to a wellness event around the corner from my house and met a woman who crafts crystal infused, you know, essential oils for all of the things. And she and I started talking and she's like, you need this grounding oil and you need this Oshun oil and you need this and like, just start to wear it every day. And, and it, it changed, it changed my life. Like, but it reminded me that I already have the tools. Like these are things that I've already known, but that I had let go of because I was so 
wrapped up in the needs and in the needs of someone else and caretaking for other people and leaving myself behind. So coming back into that realization that I have these tools that I already know, I already know like, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing for myself in, in many ways, like not in every way, but I know how to caretake for myself. Um, but to be able to turn that energy that I was you know, giving to other people and putting it into myself was, it, it changed my life. That makes total sense. And I always say what you desire desires you. And I, what does that mean for you when you hear that, especially doing the work that you do and so many people feeling like these things, especially sexually and pleasure wise are so taboo and you can't have this amazing sex life and you can't do this and you can't do that. What does that mean to you when you hear that? What you desire desires mm. you? Yeah, I mean, I I think ultimately we all want to live full lives. And that desire for a full life of joy and happiness and pleasure, that life wants us to. Uh, we just have to go out and get it. We have to be open enough to be able to get it. And... You know, I think that, you know, sexually speaking, there, you know, I think that we're, we're so programmed that, you know, we're supposed to, especially as women, particularly as black women, we're programmed that we're supposed to be with one partner for, for life. And I think that the, um, you know, there, but, but the, there are so, there are billions of people on this planet and there is someone out there that is your partner, right? That is more in tune with who you are and what the life that you desire and whether that's sexually or emotionally or, you know, or spiritually, like that person may exist. They just may not exist within your, you know, 20 block radius of your, right. you know, or the, you know, or the, or the 20 mile radius of where you live. Right. And so I feel like, you know, so often sexually, we limit ourselves to this idea that, oh, if I have sex with this person, I have to be in a relationship with them. Or if I am, you know, if I commit to this person or if I fall in love with this person, that I have to commit to this person for the rest of our lives. Um, or that one person has to be the end all be all for every single part of our life. Like there's, you know, we, we get told this lie that two people become one when we get married or when we get into a relationship. But the reality is that there may be, to me, there may be an abundance of people, not necessarily intimately, but, but maybe intimately too. Like there's a, there can be an abundance of people that are, that are out there that, that wants that the universe wants you to connect with so that you can live that full life that you are intended to be and you can be that full person that you are intended to be but we have to be open to the desire for that we have to be we have to be open to the possibility that there is some that there that we can have the full life that we want, right? That we can have the amazing sex that we want, that we can have the kinds of orgasms that we want, that we can have the soul connections and the, the love that we want, but we just, we, we have to let go of the possibility, of the, the mindset that 
it comes with the first person that you meet, mm. right? So, uh, so right. you're over here preaching. No, the reason why I say that is because you're a single definition person. I'm a single definition person, and I'm starting to give. I'm giving y'all some of my tea. Um, I'm starting to reevaluate sex and relationships and holding them separately. And it's been a very interesting thing that's been happening more on that later people. But I've realized that that might be the way to go. And so as a single definition and single definition, you've probably heard me say this room for those listening single definition people. It means that we have our own operating system. So if you're a single definition person, it means that you physically don't need another person to process information. So they like, they like to say that single definition people, that relationships, both romantic platonic are choices for us. Um, And then you have, of course, split definition, split definition people are Um, People who need, they have, they need someone else to process information. So in human design, they say that, you know, split definition people are people who need another person. So they need a partner that it's a need for them. And then you have, you know, triple split, which people need a bridge and then quad um, who they just need to go off and figure it out themselves. So (laughs) as a single definition person, do you, do you think that, and and this and I don't want to like pin this in single definition, and I don't want people emailing me. Um, and before I ask this, I just want to let you single definition people know that <laughs> you know relationships are a choice. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have one. It means that you can have one, but it's literally a choice for you. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, as a single definition person, do you? What are your thoughts on monogamy? I mean, I think that monogamy is a choice. Okay. And, you know, I, I often hear um, dear Franny say that, you know, we have, we live in this fairy tale industrial complex, right? Which makes us all think that monogamy is, um, is the, the, the only, it's that it's the norm. That's it. That's but all there is, right? That That's what it is. But, but monogamy really is a choice. Like we look at the divorce rate and we know that, People, you know, people, even if you get married and you choose right. monogamy, that doesn't mean that you're always going to choose monogamy in that relationship. Right. Sex and, and money so, are the top two divorce reasons, right? And yes. Then ex- number three. And religion. <laughs> religion. And then the way you raise kids. I think. And then the three, way you raise kids. Yeah. 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 Three. I think that, I think that we have, you know, it's, I think monogamy is a choice. And I think that for the way that we live our lives today, you know, we, you know, we are living under a system, the, the, the marriage system was created by, you know, white men in Europe at a time when people didn't live past 43. And, you know, it's, we, we are not meant to, to, I don't think that we are meant to be with one person for all of our lives, mm. you know, the, our cells change and are completely new every seven years. And if we are doing the work of our lives, we are going to be a different person every seven years. years so seven months, seven months, <laughs> seven months, but it's like, but how do you, how do you expect to change and grow and always change and grow at the same pace as your partner. Like you're both going to change and grow at different paces and, you know, 
and have different experiences if you're truly living in your own if you're living your life in conjunction with another person, it doesn't mean that you're going to always, you could be on the same path with someone, but it doesn't mean that you are living the same life. And so I just don't feel like, I mean, I think that monogamy is wonderful for people who choose it and who do well at it. But I think that for most people, and I think the rate of people who are, who cheat and have affairs, and, you know, shows that most people are not truly living a life that is, you know, that is monogamous. And I think because we do, gr- we do grow up in this this fairy tale industrial complex that we are not even given the choice of exploring other possibilities. And so that leads to lying, hiding, cheating. Right. It's the lies you know, for me. It's the lies. It's, it's the, like it's why. The, it's, it's the, the lies, lies for, me. for me. It's like why it's, yeah. do yeah. It, I? I from my current dating experiences and where I'm at right now, it's almost like I said not to give too much of my tea away yet. <laughs> Another episode. Mm-hmm. It's almost refreshing having the upfront knowledge of what someone mm-hmm. else is doing that I actually feel safer in a lot of my dating situations Mm -hmm. because of the honesty and the like nope this is what I'm doing I'm this this and that and it's just like okay so it's it it's weird how it's almost calmed my mind down because I know where you are I know what you're doing yes I know that this is our relationship and then you are doing There's something. something else. It's yeah. just, it, it's mind boggling to me. I'm like, why haven't I adopted like this kind of thinking? What took me so long? But of course, you know, mm-hmm. age and all of that stuff, because mm-hmm. it's, I feel more confident in my relationships now. Yes. And, and, you know, the thing is like, you know, the, most women have a tendency if they are if they think that they're in a monogamous relationship to stop using condoms after three or four months and so if you know that your partner is also also has other partners you get to make informed decisions about your own your body sexual health your emotional health your body like you get to put it in a box if you want to and say okay i know this person is seeing other people i'm just i'm going to continue to see other people like the idea that if i think that we're that we're being monogamous and now I'm, you know, I'm not seeing other people because there's this unspoken ideal of, of uh, this unspoken assumption that we are only seeing each other, then I, I'm going to feel away if I find out that you're right. seeing somebody That's else. Where the betrayal like, you know comes what I'm saying? In. Right. The betrayal comes in and then the, the lies and then now you're, the trust is broken. Mm-hmm. And then you have all of these other layers when I, I think I, being honest with yourself is where people are missing the mark when it comes to pleasure, desire, sex relationships. The honesty is gone Mm -hmm. on a personal level. And there's also, there's also a degree of selfishness too, because people don't want, I think a lot of people assume and, and sometimes rightfully so that the person that they're with if they knew that they had desire for other people or that they were seeing other people that they would, they, they might potentially lose that person or that partner. And so there's a, a, there's a degree of selfishness there that says, I'm going to hide my true 
intentions, behavior, um, you know, re, uh, you know, self from other people so that I don't lose them as opposed to I'm going to put myself out there and say exactly what it is. And if that, if it doesn't work with this person, then maybe it'll work with, you know, it opens the door for me to, for it to work with somebody else. And because we're so trained that relationships are, it's like, you know, that you're mine, like even that language, you're mine, you're my partner, you know, it's, is that language is very possessive and doesn't allow for the possibility that this person gets to make their own decisions. And therefore I'm going to lie to them so that they can't make their own decisions. I'm going to make a decision for them. And that's where the, the hiding of our true selves comes into play with people because they don't want to, they, they don't want to, that people are operating from a scarcity mindset, right? you know? And it's like, you know, but the reality is that there is, so much love, like love is expansive. It, it's not restrictive. There, you know, there was a book that I read, the very first book that I read on polyamory, which was gifted to me by my friend, um, Karina Collins. Uh, she, it was called The Ethical Slut, which is now I think in its third printing. And there was, one of the things that stood out to me was that if you have more than one child, you love them equally yet differently, mm -hmm. right? You, but there's still enough love to go around. If you have more than one sibling, you love them equally yet differently. You know, it's like, you know, yes, sometimes right. we have our favorites, but, but there is enough love to go around. But in our intimate relationships, we suddenly feel like there's not enough love to go around if there's more than one person that's involved. And it's like, but how can you love your two or three kids or your two or three cousins or siblings or parents or whomever? There's like all of this love until you have sex with somebody. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, but love is expansive. Like we're not like, why, why do we have to suddenly start hoarding love simply because we, we, you know, put on a ring or because we have intercourse or because we're spending, you know, more intimate time with these, with someone and we're sharing our hopes and our dreams with that person. Why can't we share our hopes and our dreams and our desires and our, and our love with more than one partner? There's, there's absolutely no reason why we can't, if love is truly expansive. And I think that, you know, a lot of people could benefit from, you know, thinking about what that means and, you know, the idea of like ethical non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy really is just dating, right? It's open and honest dating. If I'm, if I meet someone on a dating app and I tell them, yes, I have two other partners, I'm giving them the choice. Right. Give me that. Um, give me the option. Give yeah. me the option to make a decision on whether or not I want to be involved with you based mm -hmm. off of what you're doing. And I think that's where a lot of people um, fall into, you know, that kind of trap of that one person that, and I'm not saying because I'm been in the trap and all of that stuff, but it's just, yeah, it doesn't make, too. it's starting not to make sense. And I'm just like, well, why does mm -hmm. it make sense? So, you know, I'm like, huh, okay, let me explore and figure it, yeah. figure this out. And so yeah. with that being said, how do you 
and for those listening who are maybe in a rut with their relationships or single and trying to do something different, how do you think that people should start vocalizing what they want, number one, and number two, exploring other types of relationships that are not monogamous? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think that, you know, for me, journaling really opened up the types of conversations I wanted to have. You know, looking at my last relationship and, and working out all of the things that didn't go right and then also taking some accountability for previous relationships where I was on the other side of the things that I experienced in my last relationship and, and acknowledging like, you know, and, and growing from that, like each relationship that we're in is supposed to be um, a learning experience so that we can grow and, and continue to grow until we find our people, our person, our people. And so, you know, I think that identifying the type of relationship that you want, not, not the type of person, like, you know, you know, I remember when I was a kid, you know, my, I remember sitting, you know, my mom watching Oprah and they're talking about making the list, right. Mm -hmm, Of, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I want somebody who's, you know, tall and dark and handsome and makes this kind of money and da, 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 da. But it's not that it's like, what kind of relationship do you want? What, what kind of things do you want to experience in the relationship? What values do you hold in your relation, you know, in your life that you would like to experience with someone else? And, you know, for me, it's like, I want someone who wants, who's down to go to museums with me. And I, I want someone who meditates and I want someone who's in therapy and I want someone who has, you know, who is, is like really into their self, into their own self-care and self-development because those are things that's important to me, mm-hmm. not so much that this relationship, I'm looking for a relationship that's going to be my last relationship, but I'm looking for a relationship that's going to complement where I'm at in my life today. And then from there, really, you know, I, you know, I present myself as exactly who I am. It's like, you know, this, this is who I am. This is what I'm looking for. And and the, the rest of it, I think, comes when you start to have these kinds of conversations, like even asking people, are you dating other people? And then letting those answers, you know, dictate the where you go next. So it's like, you know, for me, it's like, oh, so, you know, are you seeing, you know, I'm seeing two other people. Are you seeing anybody else? Are you, are you fluid bonded with those people? Are you, you know, you know, how often do you get tested for STIs? Like, you know, these are conversations we should be having in our dating lives anyway, but, you know, but being, but opening yourself up to the, it's like when you stop thinking about the relationship as your last relationship and thinking about the relationship as a complement to your current life. Oh my gosh. Mind blowing. Mind blowing. It gives you permission to be able to get the information that you need to not only determine if you want to even date this person, but where they fit into your life. Correct. Right. So, and, and, and also thinking about where you are in your life. Like I, I like to take like a cognitive behavior approach to everything that I'm doing these days, because it really, it really falls in line with human design as well. And it's like, okay, well, 
what, where am I at in my life? How much time do I have to dedicate to a relationship? Am I, do I, am, do I really have time to be, you know, can, can I see this person once a week? Can I see them more than once a week? Like what kind of experiences do I want to have with them? And also like, you know, starting to learn more about even your own desire, like, mm-hmm. you know, learning, do you have responsive versus spontaneous desire? And for most of us who are over 30, over 40, that spontaneous, I get turned on by looking for at somebody, that shit is gone. Wow. I guess that but, just happened because I just crossed <laughs> that 40 bridge and I was just like, all right, this is weird because like, you're I not more. doing it for me. Like, can right. you read? Like, can you read? Can you read? <laughs> right. Yes. I'm telling you that when finding out that one of my partners was in, was in, has been in therapy for 10 years, I was like, this is such a turn on. Like, oh you my know? gosh, you're working on yourself. Yes. Yes. That's so hot. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like even learning that part of it, like learning about, like, if you do have, you know, responsive desire, which more of us have it than not, finding out what does that mean? Like how... What does, what does get you to a place of pleasure? How can you curate your time? Like for me, I need to clock out and then take a shower, put on makeup, get dressed, go see the, you know, and like, like I have a whole ritual that I have to do to get there. And even then it's like, I feel like I need to, you know, I need the dinner and the drinks, even if we're just Netflix and chill, like I need the whole thing to give myself, my body time to switch from, you know, entrepreneur, you know, head of a nonprofit, single mother, caregiver, doctors calling from, you know, like I need to, I need to transition from all of that to being in a sexy space with my partner. And even then it's like, you know, going on to explore the things and communicating with them what I need in order to get there. And, you know, finding out like what, what does turn you on? What kind of things have you not experienced that you're interested in experiencing? What kind of things have, these are things that I haven't experienced or that I know really work for me. And that allows me, uh, that has allowed me to get to a point where I can be, I can be more, more sexual with my partner, especially as a woman who is menopausal. Like it's, you know, there's all, you know, I've been menopausal since I was 39. And so it's like being able to re needing to relearn my body was so vital and in order for me to relearn my body, like I still needed to be able to practice with partners, but I had to be able to say to them, yeah, that, that don't work. You know, <laughs> like that doesn't, that doesn't work for me, but just like having communication with people about your, you know, what does work for you, what doesn't work for you. And also just exploring yourself you know, not just in the bedroom. People always talk about masturbating as as a as a key to getting you know to to having better sex with your partners. But it's so much more than that. It it really is more than just touching yourself. It's it's helpful to tell your partners where you like to be touched and how you like to be touched. But I, you know, I think especially for those of us who are who are living under systemic oppression, who are juggling you know multiple roles in our lives. We have, we have so much 
so much work to do before we even get in the bedroom, you know, whether that work is in therapy or with, you know, with it in our, in our journals or in meditation, it's like, we have so much work to do to combat all of the negative messages that we've received about our bodies, about sex, about desire. I mean, as, as a black woman, you know, I was always told when I was a child that, you know, sex was bad, you know, <laughs> and it's like, I was always told that, you know, the, that sex was supposed to be saved until you're married, that you're supposed to wait until you're, you Lord. know, that you, you know, it's like, <laughs> don't, don't, don't be bringing home no babies. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, we don't get a comprehensive sex education. And so we have to really teach ourselves. And most of that work starts with, the unlearning of the negative messages mm-hmm. that we received about sex and about our bodies before we can even get into the bedroom. That's true. Well, I love that. So I have a few more questions for you and okay. I'd like to ask all of my guests these last three. So, and you don't have to have a, a thought out answer, just kind of what would you tell yourself last year? If you can go back to last year this time, what would you tell yourself? You're going to get through it. Okay. I would tell myself you're going to get through it. Um, you know, last year was so rough. I mean, for everybody, you know, be, but it was really rough for me. And I, you know, as someone who makes a living selling sex and everybody was turning to sex workers and content creators in the middle of the pandemic to relieve their mental and emotional anguish for everything that was that was happening with the with the pandemic and and it was hard you know being someone who you know has to be authentic like i i definitely was like you're going to have to wait for that custom like no i'm not posting content today like because i just couldn't do it and if i think that if i had i would have told myself you know, just don't, don't stress. You're going to get through it. Um, because I, I did. So, okay. and, and also, and also, you know, I, I think had I, I had no idea how important human design would become to me. Mm. Um, I think I, I would have told myself to quit my, um, I had a startup job that I, I took on last year. I would have told myself not to take it. Mm. Um, or to, I would, I would have passed on the opportunity, um, or left it a lot sooner if I did, than I did. Interesting. So if you can jump to the future, what would you tell yourself next year, this time? Or what message would you want your future self to know? Oh, wow. That's it. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody gets stuck on that one. That's okay. That's a good question. Um, I would want my future self to know how proud I am of her because she is really dope and has done some amazing work. And um, no matter the struggles that she is has gone through this year or will go through this year, that everything that she's experiencing has been has is allowing her to live a more comfortable life that she's living, um, you know, then. So, I so I think that's, yeah. Yeah. And lastly, what do you believe is your superpower? My superpower is I have a gift for, um, helping people make money and, um, and, and just helping people in general, but I have a gift for helping people make money. 
it's it's amazing. I don't know, and I have I have a, a I have an innate ability to manifest money or opportunities that bring money um, without really even trying. Um, sometimes I forget that, and I try to work harder than I need to. <laughs> but um, but that's my superpower. My superpower is definitely being able to just like pull money out of thin air. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this episode with Cinnamon Love. If you want to find out more about Cinnamon Love, go to singleinbrooklyn.com. You can also find her on Instagram at I am Cinnamon Love. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? Make sure you have a great day filled with good vibes and great energy. And until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Is My Aura On Street. This podcast was produced by Callie Green and edited by Adam Ross. If you loved this episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next time, bye-bye.